Carol. Fuck you. Carol. <laughs> Stupid. Carol. That's my name. Don't wear it up. Disclaimer. In this chapter, we will be discussing murder. We will be including disturbing audio clips, and the details may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to the topic. Okay, so today we are diving into the details of the death of George Torres Jr., who was found dead after being zipped into a suitcase. I'd like to start by saying that although Sarah Boone has been charged for second-degree murder, trial has not even started, and therefore she is innocent until proven guilty. Everything that we will be speaking about today will be alleged, though we will be pulling information from her interviews and the videos that she actually took while George was in the suitcase. It gets pretty disturbing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) This is one of those cases that I just find really jarring with technology. The things that we sometimes see and hear following murders and crimes is just mind boggling. Um, And yeah. This is definitely one of those cases. Without these videos, it would be all speculation, but there are some facts that we can pull from, and I I personally can't wait to see how her trial goes, and it's coming up pretty soon. Like, has she admitted to anything? This Um, one I know nothing about. She has her own story, and she's pissed to be in jail like she does not think she should be there um even going as far as just like saying to like cops like i'm not supposed to be in here like get me out so let's go to sunday february 23rd of 2020 the couple were in their home in winter park florida near aloma ave and goldenrod road that night as per sarah They had some wine and played some games and everything was going great. This conflicts with videos Sarah herself took on her phone of George locked in a suitcase begging to be set free. (laughs) We're going to jump to the next day when the initial 911 call comes in from Sarah. And then once the videos actually came to officers attention, we'll jump back and like actually get into some truths. But let's get into how it led up that George was dead in the suitcase. So the 911 call comes in and she states in the call that her boyfriend is dead. And it sounds rather blunt in the recording. It's like, yeah, my boyfriend's dead. My boyfriend's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, what happened? Where are you? Do you want help? Are you calling for EMS? Are you calling for like the morgue? What are you talking about? Anyway, so she quickly states that they were playing. Um, They were playing hide and seek kind of thing, she says, and that he was dead in the suitcase. Naturally, she's a little all over the place. She said there was blood coming out of his mouth and that she had taken him out of the suitcase. She also states that he is purple, but that she already tried giving CPR. This is when it already starts to get a little weird. The 911 operator asks if he's stiff and cold, and she says he's stiff, but not really cold. 
And after this, the operator asks her multiple times to keep doing compressions on him, even tries walking her through it step by step. But she interrupts him like multiple times. And one of the times she says as a quote, baby, I'm telling you just by looking at him, you can tell. So I'm a little confused. How long was he in the suitcase before the 911 call? Because yeah, no, we're going to get he would be still in that position. I suspect the suitcase doesn't have him in his natural position. He would have to be scrunched up. So in the 911 call that I'll end up playing, she explains that she ends up like opening up the suitcase, stretching him out. And she states that she gave him CPR already or already tried it. Um, so that's interesting because you cannot stretch somebody out that's in rigor mortis. But so rigor how mortis long only, would rigor mortis take? I believe it starts well immediately, but I think it goes from six to 24 hours after. And there is no, it would not room. have been that long. She like, like it said, so they asked, is he stiff and cold? He's He's a little stiff, but he wasn't even cold yet. But he was movable because they wanted her to keep doing compressions sure, on him. And when EMS arrived, they continued. They tried to revive. Typically, the onset of rigor is first observed two to six hours following death and develops over the first 12 hours. The onset begins with the muscles of the face and then spreads to all muscles during the next four to six hours. So to answer your question a little bit, just so that you can get a sense and like, I don't know, not drive yourself crazy. <laughs> the, so the videos that we know that he's alive in the suitcase, the last one is taken at 11.23 p.m., right? And then she goes to bed and she wakes up and she ends up calling 911 so I'm sorry. Right after 1 p.m. the next day. So it commences after around three hours, reaching maximum stiffness after 12 hours, mm. and gradually over the next 72 hours will let go. So mm. he would have been like completely stiff within the first 12 hours of dying. You know, it might be a little past 12 hours because... Uh, like but I then just, it's just a gradual release and there's no way a, a human without mechanical help. Can he must break have been rigor. releasing because she did by report. She did have him laid out on the floor after taking him out of the suitcase. Unless he died a lot sooner than she said. You know, it doesn't what start do two to three hours after death. It doesn't start. Well, we know that he was in the suitcase and he couldn't breathe. Right. So no matter like she's not talking about if he when he died. She doesn't talk about that. She put him in the suitcase. She takes some horrendous videos and then she goes upstairs to bed forgetting about him. Is her story is that she forgot about him. Then the next morning, almost afternoon, she woke up. She went downstairs. She's like, "Where's George?" remembers that he's in the suitcase opens the suitcase george is dead in the suitcase so technically he could have died at any point like he could have died an hour before she opened up the suitcase he could have gradually been losing oxygen and air um 
so we really don't know exactly when he died but i'm sure we'll find that out soon i guess we'll hear it in trial but that's one thing that's really fishy but and i mean rigor mortis is different for a lot depending on the temperature outside and the conditions i mean he would have been really hot in a suitcase i don't know if that matters so when she ends up saying like the baby i'm telling you just by looking at him you can tell she doesn't finish that sentence but obviously she allegedly Mm -hmm. she would mean you can tell he's dead Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't want to try cpr but so that kind of to me contradicts what she says later which is that she already tried cpr that she had done that Um, And it also says to me that she wanted the operator to stop pushing her to try and possibly save Torres's life. Mm -hmm. Like this operator, you can almost feel like he is getting a little annoyed. There's a time where he says, okay, stop talking to me. You don't have to talk to me. Just do the compressions. And she'll go, I am. But you would think that, and this is actually a popular or common thought to her 911 call is that you would think while she's doing the compressions you'd be so out of breath because you would be doing huge compressions if you're doing them right you would be and there's and there there is an argument even by a lawyer that i watched who said like who's to say maybe she had no idea what she was doing um she didn't know the strength that she had to use that operator tried to walk her through all of it if she had just listened but so this also goes into some behavior analysis that say that she almost responds like a teenager, hmm. um, even to police a lot of the times, like when she was outside and like all the emergency personnel are there, like all the camera footage is released and you, I'm thirsty. And like, she's like whining. Everything that she's saying is coming out as a whine. That's weird. Um, and then right after, you know, um, her small, baby blah 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 she screams into the phone um stating that torres had just gurgled it was genuine and she was like Wah! like hmm. it was genuine That's um probably just air being released from yeah, exactly side. now it gets even weirder throughout the rest of the call where she's counting and supposedly doing these compressions the operator is counting with her because like he's doing it's almost like he's dealing with a toddler like he wants to do it with her because he doesn't feel like she's been doing it so he's like okay i'll count with you one two and she one two three everybody knows it's one two three like you'd think okay maybe not everybody knows but you'd think most people know that you're supposed to do it a little quicker than that there's a theory that is out there where people don't think she ever tried cpr not while on the phone not before none of it um, you can hear her counting on the phone, but she doesn't really sound out of breath. And altogether, it's just really weird. Um, so I think this is the perfect time for us to listen to the clip, and I will play it now for the listeners. Listen, okay, ma- ma'am, 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 listen. Uh, so this is he cold and stiff? Yes. Okay. Well, he's okay. not necessarily cold, but he's stiff. And right. He's okay. All right, listen to me. I, listen, listen to me. I want you to lay him flat on his back for me on I the did. floor. I did. We're moving the pillows, okay? Yes, I did. All right, okay. We, He's deaf and purple. Right, okay, listen. Okay, man, that's fine. We're, we're still going to do compressions on him, okay? All right? Place the heel of your hand on his breastbone, right in the center of the chest, right between the nipples. Yes. Put your other hand on top of that hand. Baby, I'm telling you. Just by okay. looking at him, you can tell. Okay. Ah! Please! Okay, he just gurgled. Okay, okay, L- listen to me. 
All right. I want to play. I want you to place the heel of your hand. Uh-huh. Okay, right between right between his chest, right between his breast bones. Yeah. Put your other hand. Put your other hand on top of that hand. Yeah, we want we want to pump his chest to me hard and fast. Going to do it twice per second. I'm doing it again. Okay, no, no, just keep on pumping. That's all you need to do for me. Keep on pumping his chest for me. That's, I don't need you to stop and talk okay. or anything. I just want okay. you to count out loud for me, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. This is this is nice. Okay, ma'am, just keep on pumping his chest. That's all you need to do for me, okay? So one of the speculations slash rumors when this stuff came out was that um, when they walked in, the emergency responders walked in, she wasn't doing it. So, again, not sure if that's true. Allegedly, she wasn't doing it. Who knows? It is possible that she simply didn't know what she was doing, so she wasn't going fast enough or putting in enough effort to make herself lose that breath. I think it came down to her feeling like George had been dead long enough to never be brought back. So I do like I do believe that like she truly thought like he's dead dead and I don't think I should be doing that because it's it's over and done. I don't know if a reasonable person would give up if they're he being was told purple and mm-hmm. stiff. Yeah. I probably would Maybe try to, maybe try to convey that better to nine one one. Like I'm sorry, but he is dead. Mm-hmm. She wasn't very confident in her answers, right. so maybe that it, like, I I still feel like they would ask you to still do it. I I maybe, and if they said that, well, there's still a chance. Then yeah, I'll do it because that's unless I wanted him dead. Be. Let's be honest. Maybe she wanted him dead. Which there are theories and possibilities for that as well. In the interrogation with Sarah, she stated that they had drank some wine and were playing hide and seek. She said she helped Torres into the suitcase. She was tired and then she went upstairs and went to bed. After that initial questioning, she was released. There wasn't anything more that they could do at that time. But they did ask if they could look at her phone, laptops, etc. And she just kind of agreed to that, surprisingly. Even though she said she drank just a little bit of wine the night before, she obviously drank a little bit more than that. And I truly don't think that she remembered taking the videos. Her her reaction was pretty surprised when the officers eventually <laughs> played her the video. <laughs> videos. So investigators start by telling her about his injuries because they wanted to know what happened, of course. So some of those injuries were scratches on his back. There was a new scratch along his neck, on the back of his neck, bruising on the side of his head, contusions, injury to his left shoulder, cut on his leg, and his mouth was swollen. And they could tell that this all happened very recent. It happened that Sunday. There's no way it happened that Saturday. So she jumps right into like trying to explain all the injuries. And like once the investigators are done listing his injuries, she jumps right into saying, I haven't laid a hand on him. 
And she follows that up by saying Torres had fallen off her son's bike and that he often ran into walls. So that is um, classic domestic, domestic violence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when asked about the scratches, she states it was sex. And, you know, like that was one of the first things they listed was the scratches on his back. And before they were even done listing the injuries, she went, I know what that's from. So like, she wanted to clarify that this is embarrassing. That's from sex. Like <laughs> there's two investigators in the room for this. And the woman does most of the talking, but I love when the man starts talking um, because he gets so fed up with Sarah Boone because they had obviously watched the video and now they're doing this second interrogation knowing what transpired and just trying to see if she will say anything in relation to the nasty things that she says on that video. So the investigators tell Sarah that these wounds happened the night leading up to his death they weren't old these were fresh for a while she starts talking about how they were having such a good time since the last time that he was released from prison and to me she like really wanted to like throw that in there she was like he's been great since the last time he was released from prison (laughs) (laughs) did you know that he's been to prison multiple times (laughs) um their relation had been going great since the last time he was released um she states they were doing so good she's so confused at the line of questioning um but she does state that he was abusive toward her in the past and neighbors have also stated that they've heard them fighting multiple times before uh they had actually heard something the night of the suitcase but thought nothing of it because this kind of thing wasn't new they always scrapped Uh, and allegedly her attorney plans to argue battered spouse defense so i don't know if you've ever heard of that before i have so you have to for the listeners who haven't you have to notify the state at least 30 days before trial which is obviously part of the reason they needed a continuance in their hearing i believe at the end of january that was um and she's it, it pretty much means that she's in fear of prior abuse happening again that could lead to serious injury or death um and at the time you know he's getting mad he's the man so he has power over her he's bigger etc usually in case law it would be why like a woman shoots her husband or something like that to prove a battered spouse you'd have to prove how often how serious how reasonable you were to be in fear of death a lot of it has to do with state of mind uh would a reasonable person have been in fear Could it apply to Sarah Boone? Did she think she was going to be majorly injured or killed? We will see. And we'll see the proof and testimony. Something that came out later was that she actually ended up calling her ex-husband first before 911. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Were they still close or was this... So, um... And I'll I'll walk through the timeline because it, it'll get to when she actually called her ex-husband the night of George getting in the suitcase and then also the morning of George getting in this or George leaving the suitcase, I guess. Um, so puzzles, painting, listening to music. George calls his brother at 7.30 p.m. The call lasts four minutes. Brother states that Sarah is arguing in the background. Brings up that George had choked her at some point. So she's in the background going, your brother choked me. And and um, 
stated George stayed calm and didn't sound very drunk while Sarah sounded crazy. And those are quotes. So that's when he gets off the phone and they decide to play hide and seek. As for Sarah, she hides in the shower, but George never comes up. So maybe he wasn't playing hide and seek and she was just trying to. I don't know. They then decide it would be amusing for George to go and hide in the suitcase. He is in the suitcase on his side. Around 11 p.m., neighbors hear loud noises like something falling down the stairs. Like a suitcase? Who knows? One theory that people have is that, you know, all of his bruises, contusions, and wounds were possibly due to Sarah sending him down the stairs in the suitcase. That Makes is sense to me. fully alleged, and she is innocent until proven guilty. We don't know if that happened for sure, but the neighbors did hear something like that. And the next part to the timeline, after that 11 p.m. loud noise, was the first video that Sarah takes, and it is two minutes long, starting at 11.12 p.m., which kind of fits into the 11 p.m. banging, and the suitcase is at the bottom of the stairs in the living room in this first video. The second video that she takes is 10 minutes later and of the suitcase right way up and a few feet away at 11.23 p.m. Again, that first suitcase video is of it upside down. So in the second video, more than 10 minutes later, the suitcase has been moved and flipped at some point. I would personally think that's proof that she was moving the suitcase around. Did she get it up the stairs to send it down the stairs? I don't know. Um, George does look like a pretty petite man. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and then, so that's 11.23 p.m. Sarah called her husband at 11.46 p.m. As per Sarah, she goes up to bed at 12.30ish and falls asleep. And then just to go through the Monday timeline as well, she says she woke up at 11 a.m., the first interview. Um, and today is the day where she's supposed to have her son and is to pick him up from school. Her ex-husband starts calling her around 11 a.m. and keeps calling every half hour until she picks up at 12.49 p.m. Sarah goes back and forth on waking at 11 or waking at 12.30. She thinks George is just somewhere on his laptop. And uh, when she finally goes downstairs, confused as to where he is, this is when she realizes he's in the suitcase. As per Sarah, she opens the suitcase, takes him out, and begins CPR. Now, I'm very interested to see and hear what her ex-husband says. Because her ex-husband calls again at 1249. And this time she picks up. And she tells Brian that George is dead and asks him to come over. Why she hadn't called 911 already, I'm not too sure. 11.54 p.m. She calls Brian to make sure he's on his way. So this is at least a confirmation of five minutes where she did not call 911, which is whack. Um, and then 1 p.m. Brian arrives and tells her to call 911. Why do you have to wait for your husband to get there to tell you to call 911? So then she calls 911 and attempts CPR again with the operator on the line. The initial thing she says to 911 is that she, well, in quotes, I put him in the suitcase. She doesn't say this later on, though. She says that George got in and she zipped it up. I, that could play a part, I think, in court. We'll see if they bring that in, that she initially says that. Um, 
And also, like I said, it's kind of interesting. If the husband was there the whole time, he could be a key witness for it if she was pumping his chest and whatnot. So that should clarify, at least, if she had done CPR. Um, and she seems really annoyed and angry that she's being told to do the compressions. And it, it's a really weird response. And I wanted to see if, like, somebody with more experience would think the same thing. So I watched... Um, I can't remember the actual channel, but it's a lawyer on YouTube. And he kind of made the point that like maybe she really is just not experienced, but that she he also thought that she sounded annoyed and angry. Um, so during the interview, she consistently says he comes at her usually and she doesn't go after him. She kind of paints herself as almost perfect in a domestic violence situation which the videos obviously prove that that's not the case um she pretty much says she disengages when he gets mad and abusive she she goes and rides her bike she reads a book she goes to bed she talks him into a suitcase she talks him into a suitcase which damn she's good at that she says to them i don't think you've looked through my phone yet like during this interview she's like wow Look at my phone and you'll see he abuses me. It's as if like it's her own defense because like she must have taken photos in the past of like bruises on her neck or something like that. Um, and she does state like while she's wanting them to look at the phone to prove her innocence that he smashed her nose before. Going back to the facts, the same thing that she thinks is going to save her is what easily moved her charges into second-degree murder territory instead of manslaughter. She must not have remembered taking the videos, whether she was wasted or whatever other reason for forgetting she took some sinister videos. She states she was not drunk. Are we going to get to see those videos? Yep. So the videos she took... Um, I'll outline those and then I'm going to play the video for you and the sound for the listeners. What you'll hear is Torres calling to Sarah, stating he can't breathe. She fully sounds intoxicated. She tells him this is for everything you've done to me. Fuck you. Um, she laughs as he becomes more panicked. She says things like, stupid, that's my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> Overall, it's just really hard to listen to. It's pretty sadistic, and I will play it now for everybody listening. Sarah. For everything you've done to me. Sarah. For everything you've done to me. Sarah. Fuck you. Sarah. Fuck you. Sarah. <laughs> Stupid. Sarah. That's my name. Don't wear it up. Sarah. I can't fucking breathe, babe. Seriously. Yeah, that's when you do when you choke me. Sarah. 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 Sarah, I can't breathe. That's on you. Sarah, I can't breathe. <laughs> it's on you. Sarah. 
reel around some. Now you want to give it for it extra. Because <laughs> I got this. Carol. Reel around Carol. some. Can't breathe, babe. Oh, that's what Sarah. I feel like when you chewing on me. Sarah, I fuck can't you. Breathe, Sarah. Yeah, you should probably shut the fuck up. Shh. Oh, and it's the the YouTube channel is Lawyer. You know, and he oh, said. Yes that the videos could be used in her defense as well with her taking on the battered spouse defense because she does relay the fact like this is for everything you've ever done to me kind of thing um you know there's there's a time where he says i can't breathe and she's like that's how i feel when you choke me um other theories that are important are that people think she either put him in at the top of the stairs and then pushed him down flipped it repeatedly and that's how some people believe gave him his injuries so there is another video that Sarah Boone took that night, but we don't really have a purpose of playing it for the listeners as it is just pretty much silence. You hear George call for Sarah once, maybe twice, but besides that, it's almost like she's trying to be as quiet as she can be. And I personally get the sense that she is trying to make him think that she had actually left the room. Um, and again, that is speculation and just what I think, but that's just the vibe I get. Like he calls and the way she's even kind of like breathing carefully, I get the sense that she wants him to feel abandoned and hopeless. And I honestly wonder if doing that gave her the idea to actually end up going upstairs and leaving him in that suitcase overnight. You know, in the first video, she's obviously enjoying taunting him. And in the second video, she's just completely silent. And that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I think it's disturbing, to say the least. And, I mean, she can't even say... You know, I mean, honestly, my my thought through the whole thing, like if I was Sarah and that was like my ex-husband and I did something like that, there would be a certain point where I would be scared to let him out. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? But I didn't see that. She was still kind of snickering and stuff. So, I mean, it was disturbing for sure. And he didn't sound that mad. He sounded pretty desperate. Scared. Yeah panicked at some points yeah 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 disturbing very so her trial is set to take place at some point in april with a status conference taking place in march to confirm the dates as her lawyer has a death penalty case in february that being said i think a really important lesson in this case is the dangers of alcohol and alcohol abuse. Um, it appears to me that George, as per Sarah, would become violent when he was drunk. And, you know, if that's true, you lose control when you allow yourself to drink that much. 
And it kind of went back on her tenfold because she obviously drank a lot. And I'd like to think that she she wouldn't have done that sober. Mm. Totally. Um, but had they not been drinking, the opportunity might not have presented itself. You know, try to get a sober true. man into a suitcase. Was like, Haha, let's play hide and seek. I don't know if that would fly with a sober guy. Not unless he trusted her, which is also crazy if he got in the suitcase and was like, ha ha ha, zip me up. I totally trust yeah. you to unzip me, even though you were yelling at me earlier when I was on the phone with my brother. Dude, mm. why'd you get in the suitcase if you did? Yeah. Or did she truly overpower you? Was the sound that they heard just her pushing him down the stairs so that he would be weak so that she could put him in the suitcase? Maybe, maybe not. The contusion and bruising on his head could possibly be. That is not a fact. And it's simply... Speculation. 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 That's simply speculation. Um, so you lose control when you allow yourself to drink that much. It's our own responsibility to drink safely or not at all. Not our friends or our families that we believe owes us something. The effects alcohol and abuse can have on someone can end up being deadly. So when is there, sorry, when is there trial? I know you said, but when? So the the specific date has not been set yet, oh, but okay. it will be at some point in April. They can't set the date because her lawyer has a death penalty case in February. Right. One of her concerns definitely is that he's not going to have enough time to fight for her case, but she's obviously tired of waiting. So she's like, yeah, let's do this let's thing. Court. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for this case. As there will likely be updates pretty soon due to trial coming up, I'd say we can stick a bookmark in this case. And once the new updates become available, we will be sure to update you here on True Crime Story. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take the time to give us a five star rating on whichever platform you're listening from and turn on notifications. We appreciate it so much. That we do. We would also love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook at True Crime Story, and we can continue the discussion there. You can also reach us via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye. Bye.